Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the Nuggets content that we produce over at Mile High Sports. Just type in MileHighSports.com into your browser, click in the Nuggets icon in the top right corner, and get on reading or listening. But we are going to talk about the Nuggets winning Game 5 in Denver, 108-90. to And that score does not reflect how dominant Denver was for the majority of this game. Denver handled San Antonio in ways that I thought that they had the potential to do coming into the series, but wasn't sure if we would actually see it. And then, man, from quarters two, three, and four of game four, those last three quarters, and then to see what they did in game five, this Nuggets team feels like they have caught just a fever and are flying with it. They are in a whole different realm all of a sudden. Their confidence level has spiked into a into a spot that I did not know it was going to originally reach and it just looks like this Nuggets team is back to playing the same kind of basketball that won them 54 games in the regular season. So I'm going to dive into a bunch of stuff. I specifically want to talk about how great Gary Harris was. Yes, his numbers in terms of just box score statistics weren't out of this world, but he was the MVP of this game, in my opinion, for the Nuggets. But that's not to say that Jamal Murray wasn't just phenomenal once again. This is now back-to-back games in which Jamal Murray just looked like an absolute star. And not only that, he played some ridiculously good defense in this game. On top of that, of course, there's always Nikola Jokic who managed to put up a near triple-double in just three quarters of action. And we'll finish out talking about just how the Nuggets' defense was so good from top to bottom. Bench unit starters, whatever rotation they threw out there. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Nikola Jokic and the rest of these guys have just bought in on that end of the floor. Um, I'll finish up talking about Barton bouncing back as a bench player. And then we will get into some listener questions as well. Before I go any further... Though, there has to be a moment where I give a shout out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. You can find them on Instagram at Regulators Regime. Um, they're great at what they do. Shouts to my guy Rod Simba on Instagram. He's the one who reached out and made this connection work. And additionally, Terrapin Care Station, which is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Without Terrapin Care Station, there is not a podcast for you guys to be listening to right now. So definitely big shouts to them. Go get all of your cannabis goods from them and before i go any further here's one more quick word about terrapin care station before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. For 
me was undoubtedly Gary Harris. Yes, he only scored 15 points, which was lower than both Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Will Barton in this game. But this was vintage Gary Harris. Not only was he able to be hyper-efficient as a scorer, 15 points on 5 of 8 shooting, 3 of 5 from the 3-point line, with two rebounds and an assist thrown in for good measure, he was so good defensively. And when I say so good, I mean he defended four positions. He rotated as a weak side defender. He locked up guys in isolation. He was willing to battle with bigs or deal with the quicker, smaller guards. He was what allowed this Nuggets defense to be so dominant in this game. And there's not enough good words to say about what he was able to do, especially against Derek White, who, let's be honest, he was the MVP of this series up until... um, Michael Malone made the made that decision to put Will Barton on the bench, put Torrey Craig into the game as a starter, and put Gary Harris on Derek White. Yes, Derek White finished with 12 points on 11 shots, but a lot of that came in garbage time in the, at the end of the fourth quarter when the Nuggets starters were out of this game. In the first three quarters, Derek White only had three points and was just getting absolutely manhandled by Gary Harris. It was very impressive to see the amount of impact that Gary was able to have defensively. It felt like the Gary Harris of old, not the Gary Harris who has been injured all year and and that we have been waiting to see him bounce back, but the real Gary Harris who was a defensive demon, a wizard on that end of the floor who knew exactly where to be, was so disruptive, completely threw off the rhythm and the momentum of that Spurs offense and and shut them down on this own. Adam Mades of Denver Stiffs put out a clip on... um, on his Twitter about how Gary Harris had his own individual kill. And what that means is Michael Malone dubs three straight defensive stops as a kill. And Gary Harris literally on his own against three different Spurs offensive players managed to put together his own kill. Like that is really what sums up how good Gary was and how versatile he was in this game. He was phenomenal in every sense of the word and he was the MVP. And if the Nuggets do find a way to get past the Spurs, he is going to have to play the best basketball of his life against Damian Lillard, but still got to get through and win one more game against San Antonio to even start thinking about that. And that means Gary Harris is going to have to continue shutting down Derek White, who Popovich has regarded as the second most important player on the Spurs because his shooting opens up things. His ability to get downhill and break down a defense can collapse the defense and create better looks. The Spurs need him to be good. And if Derek White is struggling, it just allows the Nuggets to have so many more spots to exploit the Spurs team. So if Gary keeps playing like this, the Nuggets have a very good chance of going into San Antonio and being able to get a win there because this is the best version of Gary Harris I can remember. And again, he and this is what's great. This all happened in three quarters. He only played 26 minutes in this game, so he got quite a bit of rest, too. So 15 points on eight shots, plus 23 in 26 minutes, hit three of his five threes, threw in a block for good measure, defended almost every position in the floor, and was just so, so good in this game. So I do expect a lot more Gary Harris coming forward in the very near future. Um, Moving on from Gary, though. Jamal Murray would be the next player that you would talk about as a MVP caliber player in this game. 23 points in 27 minutes on 9 of 16 shooting and 4 of 9 from 3. Those numbers are very good. I'm not going to argue that. That's awesome to see. But the most important thing for me was 7 turnovers, only 2 assists, some very good defense on Bryn Forbes off the ball, had 2 steals and a block in this game, and was so smart as a creator. Yes, his scoring is always nice to 
to have around. Yes, it's always good when he can get hot and really just run a team off the floor like he did in Game 2 when he had those 21, those 21 fourth quarter points, but... Now that he's playing a complete version of basketball, this is no longer just a scores mentality. He's impacting the game in multiple different ways. That's huge for Denver. The fact that they can get some point of attack defense from him and have him really be able to lock up Bryn Forbes, who only finished with four points on one of six shooting in this game, only one assist, was a minus 17 in 24 minutes. That's what you're looking for from, from Jamal Murray. If he's helping you in those ways, not just as a score, he goes goes from a very talented scorer to a potential second star next to Nikola Jokic. That's how good he was in this game. And it wasn't just that. His defense was so good. His playmaking, that's what I want to talk about next, is his playmaking because he wasn't just walking himself into a, into assists by accident. He was creating high you know, really highly efficient looks for his teammates. He had an over-the-head pass to Gary Harris for a three-pointer. He had a behind-the-back dribble um, drop pass for Will Barton, who was cutting down the lane for a layup. All these kinds of, like, natural very instinctual passes that were looking fantastic for him and it was awesome to see him be able to not just score but to be able to create scoring opportunities for the rest of his teammates and then to cap off it was a great game um, he wasn't forcing bad shots this wasn't a game where he was feeling like he had to go out there and gun and become a Kobe Bryant kind of player he got his shots within the like the the movement of the offense. It wasn't in spite of the offense. It was within the offense. So, again, Gary Harry or Jamal Murray was so good in this game, and it make it got me thinking because Harrison Wind of BSN Denver, the old my old colleague, he's talked about how Jamal Murray may just play better when he's hurting. And after the game, well, during the game, Jamal Murray kind of had a throwback where he was wearing a sleeve and an undershirt like he did when he was at Kentucky, which I have not seen him do at the NBA that I can remember at all. So after the game, he's sitting at his locker and he has his right shoulder being iced up. And then when he ended up going to the podium, he told the media, which is a very rare thing for Jamal to do, that yes, his shoulder is bothering him. But as Harrison has said almost all year, Jamal plays better when he's hurt for some reason, whether he buys in even more mentally or whatever it is. Um, he is finds a way to be able to impact the game even more when he's hurt. And this isn't to say that he is like, you know, that he's taking his foot off the gas when he's healthy, but there's just something about when his back is against the wall, the way that he responds to adversity. And that was what really was on display once again in this game. So if it wasn't for the fact of Gary Harris being such a good defender in this game, Jamal Murray would have been the MVP of this game. But that does not mean that Nikola Jokic was not fantastic. Um, Nikola Jokic only played three quarters as well. 16 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 turnovers, but all came in the first quarter. So we cleaned that up really quickly. Also had 2 steals and a block for good measure. Um, Nikola's game was very interesting to me because... Malone, as he you know openly admitted after the game, he was playing him some extreme minutes. And when I say extreme minutes, I'm talking, again, 32 minutes and three quarters of play. He was on his way to playing 40 minutes in this game. And before the fourth quarter, which was almost all garbage time, Mason Plumlee had only played like four minutes. The Nuggets needed 
Nikola Jokic almost the entire game to continue to keep their offense afloat and to keep them rolling because Mason Plumlee was a gigantic negative when he was out there on the floor. So for Nikola Jokic to accept that challenge, go out there and do what he did and get eight assists in 32 minutes and three quarters, have those 11 rebounds, get those 16 points on 11 shots, and the timely shots. That's what really stood out to me was that Nikola Jokic hit two gigantic three-pointers and it really pushed the lead because there was a point in the third quarter where the Spurs were kind of battling back. And after the Nuggets had had a very strong third quarter, you were looking at it like, oh, if they can get this down to 16 points or so before the fourth quarter, there's an opportunity for the Spurs to make a run. But then Nikola Jokic just hit back-to-back three-pointers and just ended the game, essentially. Those are the moments, despite him being exhausted, that you see that and you're like, wow, this dude is doing something special and you can see this confidence radiating off of him and you can tell the playoffs the pressure of the playoffs is not getting to him Nikola Jokic has been nothing short of outstanding in this series so far and is nearly averaging a triple double right now on just absolutely incredible shooting splits so it was it was great to see Nikola Jokic once again stepping up and delivering when his team needed him most and doing so with a, a lot of minutes and a lot of pressure being set upon his shoulders he was very very good in this game I thought and if Nikola Jokic continues to play like this especially if they go into San Antonio it's going to be almost impossible for the Spurs to be able to beat them so again Nikola Jokic was fantastic and I do want to take a second to talk about Paul Millsap because he didn't shoot necessarily very well but there's a reason he was a plus 31 in 24 minutes his defense was again fantastic Um, had six rebounds still hit two threes in this game got to the free throw line and even though he missed six of his 10 shots he managed to have 14 points on 10 shots taken so very good game from Paul as well it was good to see the Nuggets front court playing well together the last thing or the second to last thing I want to talk about from this game before we get into some listener questions is the fact that the Nuggets defense was phenomenal in this game Denver was flying around was locked in and were battling in this one and you can it honestly it it bears out especially when you look at the box score. The Spurs shot forty one point one percent from the field and only ninety shots taken. They were twenty nine point two percent from the field on twenty four attempted threes in this game, and. On top of that, like yes, they had a lot of rebounds, but 17 assists on 37 shots is not good. They were not moving the ball well. DeMar DeRozan was a black hole. There were so many times he could have kicked the ball out to Jam- or to a Bryn Forbes or a Marco Bellinelli for an open look and just did not do so. So there were so many things in this game where the Nuggets were able to throw the Spurs off of what they did and defensively were just so good and so locked in and flying around in ways that... Honestly, I don't remember them doing in the regular season. This might have been one of their best defensive games they have ever played. Torrey Craig was great on DeMar DeRozan. Gary Harris, as I spoke about earlier, was absolutely phenomenal on Derek White. Jamal Murray was locking up Bryn Forbes on the perimeter. You had Nikola Jokic playing great positional defense. Paul Millsap was his typical great defensive self. And even the bench unit, you had guys like Monte Morris who were battling with Patty Mills. The bench of the Spurs was not good. Rudy Gay was 3 of 9 from the field. Marco Bellinelli, 3 of 7. Patty Mills, 2 of 8. Davis Bertans, 1 of 5. Like, there was nothing working for the Spurs bench unit, and it was because the Nuggets defense was so good off the bench as well as with the starters so what a game from the Nuggets overall on both ends of the floor they were just so locked in and dialed in and then 
the last thing from this game was Will Barton had a very nice bounce back game, I thought. Um, yes, he got benched and got put onto the reserve unit, but it has not shaken his confidence from what I have seen. And this was the best game he has played in arguably the past few weeks. 17 points, 7 of 11 shooting from the field. And this is the important part for me. He, all, he took four threes, only made one of them, but was still a 7 of 11 from the field. That means he was finishing at the rim. That is huge. I mean, when you're talking about going 6 of 7 from the field inside the 3-point arc for Will Barton, that's big for a guy who has struggled in that area. And he ended up also throwing in 3 assists for good measure, was good on defense, battling with DeMar DeRozan, and he also ended up playing 28 minutes. So he had a nice bounce back in terms of a consistency within his role. So it was good to see Will Barton have an opportunity to bounce back in the way he did because Will Barton, when the Nuggets are at their best, Will Barton is a big part of their team. So I do expect Will Barton to continue having his role grow and grow, and I would expect him to play somewhere near 20 minutes, probably play the most minutes of anybody off the bench for the Nuggets because he was so good in that role, I thought, and... This isn't to say he can't start, it's just he's bought into what he needs to do right now, and it's worked out very well for him. The last thing I want to do in this podcast is is quickly hit on three listener questions that came in after the game, because I thought that these three were really important and good ones to ask. So, from the top, Andrew asked, what did the Nuggets do different or better tonight to be able to get an early lead and, man- and maintain it? They came out with a sense of pride. They came out with a sense of aggression and a, a hit-first mentality, as Michael Malone says. This Nuggets team, in the first, I would say, three, uh, probably... It was really the first three games in the first quarter of the fourth game. The Nuggets just felt like the little brother in the series. They were missing their open shots. They were frustrated. They didn't know how to get back to what they were doing. They didn't know how to get back to being the Denver Nuggets. But now that this pressure has been kind of lifted off of them after quarters two, three, and four in game four in San Antonio, this Nuggets team just looks a lot more loose too. And I think a big part of what makes the Nuggets... um, really the best version of themselves is when they're playing with a sense of joy and a sense of happiness and a sense of just comfortability. They weren't wound up tight. They weren't desperate to try and get shots to fall and like really trying to will themselves to a win. They just went out there and they played basketball. That's really what I saw in this game. And because of that, they were able to get out to a quick lead because shots were able to fall. The Nuggets had five three-pointers in the first quarter. And after that, they were just... They continued to feed off of that confidence that they built within themselves in the first quarter. And because of that, like you asked, they maintained that lead throughout the rest of the game. So I do think this was specifically a thing where the Nuggets just finally let go. They were got back to just having fun and enjoying basketball and enjoying playing for one another and playing their way, not falling into how the Spurs play and slowing down what they do. The Nuggets just went out there and they got into their sets quickly. They were aggressive. They were assertive. They were physical and they hit their shots. That's really what all this came down to for me. So that's what they need to do when they go back to San Antonio for game six is punch first and punch often and trust in themselves that yes, they are the more talented team in the series. And yes, they have the right game plan and yes this game plan has worked stick with it and trust yourselves and they will be able to run pretty quickly to probably another first quarter lead it was the first time they were able to win a first quarter in this series and they were great doing so omar asks what does denver need to do different to win game six what will the spurs change 
I think in game six, the Nuggets, first of all, like I just said, need to come out and hit first, but they also need to not fall into whatever the Spurs are trying to do to dictate the flow of the game. The Nuggets need to not be reactive. They need to stick to the game plan and continue to fight because Popovich was a master in games one, two, and three of calling timeouts whenever the Nuggets would get on runs. But in games four and five now, the Nuggets have responded to those timeouts with an additional run after the run they had already made. The confidence level is really the difference for me. And if they can continue to play confident, they won't need to change anything to go into game six and win. I do think the Spurs, though, they're going to have to completely change up quite a bit of what they're doing. And that means less DeMar DeRozan, probably, forcing DeMar DeRozan to get back to being more of a playmaker, getting Davis Bertans more minutes because they need more shooting on the floor. I want to see them stagger their lineups more so you can get Marco Bellinelli and Patty Mills with the starting group more often so you have that floor spacing. I think that they're going to see them defensively double Nikola Jokic a lot harder and force the Nuggets to make shots on the road, which is something they've only been able to do for three quarters in this series so the Spurs are not going to roll over and die this is Greg Popovich he's as smart as it gets there's a reason that the term Bobby Fisher has been thrown around more often than how safe the Crips are in the last episode of Game of Thrones this is literally one of those situations where the Nuggets need to come out swinging or the Spurs could definitely get game six with that being said though this what I've learned from the last seven quarters of basketball is that this Denver Nuggets team has to have outlier bad performances to be able to lose to the Spurs team. They are that much better. They are that much more talented. They are that much more symbiotic in the way that they play. And honestly, they're just that much more modern. They're not taking long mid-range contested twos like the like the Spurs are doing. The Spurs are archaic in the way that they play their offense. So the Nuggets are just better in that way. If they play as if they're better and they play loose, they're going to be fine regardless of what the of what changes the Spurs make. But I do expect Rudy Gay to be a better version of himself. I expect a lot more Derek White coming off of screens. I expect the ball to get to Bryn Forbes a lot more off the ball as a shooter. I expect more Davis Bertans, Patty Mills, and Marco Bellinelli in this game. And probably a little bit less DeMar DeRozan unless he finds a way to become more of a playmaker. Last question from Hayden. Was this the, was this game how you envisioned the Nuggets would play in the playoffs? How much better can they get? This is a loaded question because this is how I imagine they would play against San Antonio. Um, when you start talking about taking on a team like Portland, which which could potentially, which would be the next matchup for the Nuggets, you start wondering: Would the Nuggets be able to contain the guards on the perimeter enough to be able to keep themselves afloat? Will Nikola Jokic have issues with the offensive rebounding and relentless energy of an Ennis Cantor if he played? Because obviously he separated his shoulder. Are they just going to run high pick and roll with Zach Collins over and over and over? again at Nikola Jokic and try and run him through the gauntlet of just pick and roll defense repeatedly because the Spurs can't do those things to Denver. So while against the Spurs, yes, this is the what I imagine the, the Nuggets would be able to do. I think that game five was the perfect embodiment of how good Denver can be against a team that they are just better than. That's why they were up by 30 at one point against them. So while yes, there may be some fringe things that Denver can do to be better than they were, like less plumly, get some, you know, finish at the rim a little bit better, not turn the ball over as often, sure, whatever. But the Nuggets played arguably the best game that they have played in the playoffs going back to 2012 um, in that game five. So I don't anticipate them being much better than that, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this Nuggets team plays against teams who have more talent because the Spurs are just a very fundamentally sound team being coached by arguably the greatest basketball coach that has ever graced the hardwood and, and a franchise who have been to the playoffs for 22 straight years.
those narratives are going to be entirely different in the second round if they get that far. So I want to wait and see kind of what happens before we get there. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I do appreciate it. There will be more coming out very shortly, especially after game six. It is going to be a very, very fun end to this first round, and I'll be around for all of it. So thank you for listening. Make sure to go subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. This podcast is now on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, FM Player, or whatever, Player FM, CastBox, Google, all of those different podcast platforms. You can find the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast now. So please go subscribe subscribe, leave a review, leave a a five-star rating because that really helps the show keep going. Tell your friends about it, share it on Twitter, all of those things because all of those little things really do help the show. So thank you guys very much for interacting and being around. I will be back very shortly with a new podcast, but until then, have a great day.